Merriam-Webster on ABC Radio and on the ABC Listen app. On the east coast of the United States, here is Celeste Katz-Marston. Hi, Celeste. Good morning. Good morning. Lovely to talk to you again. Yeah, well, um, the old expression, it is all happening. You know, we've been talking about this a little bit here too, uh, for people to say, well, you know, COVID hasn't gone away, but you've had a a late summer wave of the virus, yeah? Yeah, actually, uh, the case numbers are are going up here, uh, almost 25% up, actually, uh, just over this month. And so people are starting to talk about you know, it's it's not over till it's over and it's not yeah. over, but what are we going to do about it? Yeah. So do you have, is it serious? Uh, I mean, over here, and we don't talk about it anymore. You know, uh, state premiers here had a press conference pretty much every day to discuss the numbers and what we should do. Uh, but, you know, people are still dying, particularly, you know, in aged care places and, and getting very ill from it. It has reduced, but it certainly hasn't gone away. No, for sure not. And again, the the case is always the concern is always that uh, people who are older, people who are particularly vulnerable, have pre existing conditions. Those are the people who are ending up in hospital, and those are the people that are dying. So, mm. uh, even if other people contract the virus and oh, they think it's a cold, or maybe they don't even notice that they have it, they could still be passing it to somebody else who could have a real problem if they catch it. So, is there any plan to go back to masks and and testing? Uh, as we had through the very bad days of the COVID virus? So far, we don't see that. I think most places now have masks optional. I have seen some people still wearing masks, and I've even seen some people wearing them outdoors, which I think, except for the very, very early days of the pandemic, when we really didn't know what was going on, uh, and they advised everyone to stay home and mask, then they said it was okay to be outside at a safe distance. But for the most part, uh, people really are still not taking precautions and people are not uh, avoiding crowded places. They're not covering their faces, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't think that uh, vaccine uptake has dramatically increased, although we will have a new vaccine coming out in the fall and updated vaccines. So we'll see how many people actually go to get that shot. Yeah. And it's mostly happened. You're telling us in uh, summer camps, your, your kids love summer camps over there, don't they? And, and in preschools, well, in preschools, little ones, goodness me, they, they catch everything, don't they? Then they bring it home. Yes, yes, they do. And it's one thing if they catch it and they get mildly ill, but if they bring it home to uh, a kid that has some sort of pre-existing condition, or maybe they bring it home to a grandparent who doesn't have yeah, uh, yeah. the same kind of resistance, that's where you run into the problem. But we're also seeing some increases in the rates in office buildings. And uh, you know, the summer is ending here. Tomorrow is September 1st here. People will be uh, going back to work, coming back from our Labor Day holiday this weekend, which is kind of the, the sort of last hurrah of summer here, and going back inside enclosed systems with recirculating air. And that's what I'm kind of worried about because we've had a pretty decent summer, but things are about to change. Well, that's the thing. I mean, honestly, this applies if you've got a cold or the flu, uh, really. I mean, if you're sick, especially the kids, and if you're sick, I mean, don't go to school and don't go to work. That's just, you know, just a normal and sensible thing to do. Yeah. I think that that's going to be the, the big issue is trying to figure out a way to do this that people can live with. I don't think we're going to see massive uh, no, lockdowns no. again. We're not going to see schools closing again. Remote schooling was a huge problem for a lot of people in this country. Very difficult. There was a lot of um, yeah. there was a lot of time lost for kids in terms of not only learning and remembering what they learned, but socialization. You know, mm. it's very it's a very different thing to to be a little kid 
and not interact with other kids. That's not helpful. Yeah, no, be careful, be respectful. Hey, Celeste, that's the thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, of course, this is a, an alien concept here. We, we don't have it, but uh, you've got a state, a state seeking to become the first state in your country to carry out execution by nitrogen gas. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. that's correct. The state of Alabama is trying to uh, is trying to make its way towards executing somebody by making them breathe pure nitrogen, mm. um, not which is an approved method, but not one that has been used. Typically, executions here are by uh, lethal injection. Uh, in the past, it's been. Uh, by electrocution, uh, of course, in the the more distant past, it was by hanging or yeah. firing squad. Yeah. Yes. Well, the last uh, person to be executed in this country was a very long time ago. So, I, I mean, it sounds awful. I mean, are we talking about something that uh, is painless in in a way, or is it not? I don't know. Supposedly, it is it is supposed to happen very very quickly. If you breathe, you breathe nitrogen all the time. It's mixed in with the yeah. air. But if you breathe pure nitrogen without oxygen, you will very very quickly pass out, and then you will die from lack of oxygen. So supposedly, the people who want to do this are saying it's uh, it's already approved, and it should not be painful. It should not be like a form of torture, which sometimes things like electrocution can be. A lot of times sure. it doesn't work yeah. the first time. Um, but people, the people who are against this, of course, are saying, look, this is tantamount to experimenting on people, to conducting a scientific experiment on a, a, a human being. And that is not right. So um, yeah. because we don't know what will happen just because it's approved. Uh, we don't know what will happen because we haven't tried it. Yeah. Oklahoma and Mississippi authorized nitrogen hypoxia, but they haven't used it. So uh, I'm assuming, uh, well, you mentioned hanging, electrocution, and uh, lethal injection. Uh, are these states that, that have the death penalty moving on from lethal injection as well? Uh, I think in some cases, well, lots of states, I mean, roughly in this country, roughly half the states have some form of capital punishment, uh, death penalty, and right. roughly half do not. Um, but, you know, the, the issue has been in some of these cases, they can't get enough drugs. They can't get uh, the supply of the drugs they need to conduct execution by lethal injection. And that's mm. been the case in places like Alabama. And that basically is why Alabama wants to try a different way. This guy has been on death row for something like 35 years. He was um, yeah. convicted of murder. And so they're saying, look, this all this time, this guy has avoided the death penalty, which uh, to which he was sentenced, and it's time for him to go. That is their argument. Right. Um, but there's been a problem getting the drugs to do it. You can't just you know, poison somebody. You have to do it in this very specific way. And they're saying, well, we can't do it that way, so let's try it this way. Well, yes, the story, I mean, it's a pretty awful story, isn't it? This fellow, Kenneth Eugene Smith, he's 58 now, and they tried to execute him, but, uh, oh, goodness me, they, they couldn't get the IV into his veins, yeah? Exactly. So yeah. I don't think you can, you can't just keep trying and trying and trying no, until you no, get no, no, it right. No. Yeah. So in this, in this case, they were not able to uh, execute this, uh, this person uh, by lethal injection. So again, they figure they're going to let him breathe this gas. Everybody breathes until they don't. And so uh, maybe they can, they can end this episode that way. But again, some people are saying, look, we don't know what's going to happen to him. What if something, um, you know, cruel and unusual happens to him, which is, of course, in our constitution, forbidden, cruel and unusual punishment is forbidden by our law. Yeah. By the way, why are people on death row 
uh, for so long? Is that because all sorts of legal avenues are still being explored, that they stay on debt? 35 years? Goodness me. That's a long time to be waiting to be executed, if you know what I mean. It's just an awful thought, I have to say. It is. And you're right that the legal process is a lot of the reason why people are on death row so long. There is a very, very elaborate uh, and lengthy appeals process. And, uh, you know, in the United States, and I'm sure in other places as well, there have been some cases where people on death row or people who are sentenced to life in prison have been exonerated by DNA evidence, by the recanting of testimony against them. So uh, the appeals process is is very exacting and can go on for a very long time. There could also be stays of execution uh, repeatedly, yeah, uh, which yeah. might result finally in a pardon or might not. Yeah. All right. Not a pleasant subject. So let's move on. This isn't particularly pleasant either, but uh, marijuana users, and as we know, there are plenty of them uh, found to have had lead and other heavy metals in their blood and urine. Right. So uh, a lot of states in this country are moving to legalize or to ease restrictions on the use of marijuana. And this study that just came out found out that people had dramatically higher levels of lead and another uh, metal called cadmium uh, in their bloodstreams if they had used marijuana. Now that comes from plants are very, very good at absorbing heavy metals. And when you smoke them, if you smoke marijuana that has Uh, come into contact with and absorb something like lead or cadmium, inhaling the smoke from it is uh, pretty much a perfect transmission method to get it from the plant into your body. And this study didn't differentiate between marijuana that was smoked and marijuana that was consumed in some other way, like edibles or uh, food or something like that. Sure. But uh, the the people who did say that they had used marijuana, had dramatically higher levels of of these metals, which are really bad because they can lead to developmental damage uh, in kids, uh, heart problems, kidney problems, uh, all sorts of stuff. Well, um, cadmium um, is considered to be a human carcinogen by the WHO. So exposed to that, and I'm assuming, uh, and I'm no expert, uh, that the heavy metals would be, or the metals would be, in the plants. Is that the theory? Yeah. The plants absorb lead from their environment, from the water or whatever it may be. Say you you have plants that are growing in areas that were uh, contaminated by lead from a factory, from manufacturing or from, uh, you know, acid rain or something like that. Um, The water gets into the plants, the plants drink it up. They, uh, you know, absorb the lead and they retain it. So then when you light the thing, you dry it up, you light it on fire and you inhale the smoke, uh, you know, one of your valuable prizes is you get high, but you may also get lead. So uh, I guess there's a there's a <laughs> yeah. calculation to make there. Well, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to stop people from using marijuana, but uh, might uh, reduce their consumption of it, do you think? Maybe. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. And, and, you know, the interesting thing about it is that just as this is happening, there have been some moves to actually uh, decriminalize or to lower the penalties for marijuana, because it, it's interesting in this country, marijuana is still on the federal level considered uh, uh drug crime, having marijuana or using marijuana is considered a drug crime. But in lots of states at the state level, it's either legal for recreational use or for medicinal use. So we have kind of a weird disconnect between our our federal law and our state law on this. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, I tell you, we have uh, 
on an island here called Kagari, uh, an increasing problem uh, with our dingoes. Now, they're not a native animal, but they've been here for a very long time, and uh, the Aboriginal people domesticated them. But you've got a problem with, uh, with coyotes, yeah? We have a real problem with coyotes, and and this is not the first time that I've talked about this here on the yeah. program. Uh, maybe a year ago or so, uh, there was a coyote uh, near where we lived that pulled a little kid out of a sandbox and dragged him. Oh, my a, God. A, a, a toddler playing in his own backyard. So that worried me. And then in these few couple of cases, a woman was walking her dog here in Massachusetts and was attacked by a, a coyote. Uh, I guess who was interested in either her or the dog, but the coyote did turn out to have rabies and tried to attack other people in the area. Um, and then there was another case uh, very recently as well, where a, a woman, again, a person was out walking their dog and a coyote ran up and took the dog, didn't just attack oh my, the dog. Oh my goodness. It. So, you know, people are are really being advised here to be super careful about uh, leaving their uh, small dogs and pets, what time of day they walk. Uh, dusk and dawn apparently are the biggest hunting times and stuff. It just seems kind of wild. I mean, this is not particularly rural areas that we're talking about. This is not way out in the country. This is people walking in their neighborhood, just taking the dog out for a stroll. And all of a sudden this coyote comes and it attacks them. It's kind of scary. Oh, frightening. Now, are they a protected species in the US, the coyotes? No, I don't think that they are. And, uh, you know, what's been happening is that as there's been more development and so on, they're being pushed out of their, uh, they're being pushed out of their sort of native habitat, their free spaces or empty spaces. They're also learning and, uh, you know, figuring things out like everybody else that it's probably easier to eat trash than it is yeah. to go out and hunt something up. So, uh, you know, every, everybody's evolving here, but people have to seriously take precautions because uh, this is this is not sort of a cute little animal. This isn't a cartoon. This is something that could kill your dog and give you rabies. Yeah, are they um, see that's that. What happens with the the dingoes on Kagari, which uh, used to be called Fraser Island here, is they become too familiar, and unfortunately, uh, people are silly and and feed them, and they come closer and closer and closer. And we've had a number of attacks on the island in recent times. So we're trying to figure out what to do with them here. Um, I mean, I suppose do uh, I don't even want to discuss it, but how do they get rid of them? Is there, is there a culling process or they're just left to their own devices? Yeah, I think that I think that there, I mean, we have animal control officers that are associated with police departments that can uh, shoot them or tranquilize them right. and take them away. But uh, they're, they're not sort of like an endangered species or anything. But we're, we're having this problem increasingly, uh, you know, in Massachusetts, animals that you never thought of as being in suburban areas or uh, rarely, at least more rarely thought of coyotes, bobcats. Uh, in some places, people are seeing bears, uh, videos of bears running through like busy downtowns in, in small villages and so on. It's, it's yeah, really sort of yeah, yeah. A, whole, a whole new world and, and not one I'm super excited about. No, I w <laughs> I'll bet. Well, we see that here on our television news bulletins with the bears. I mean, it looks, it looks funny. It looks cute. You know, bears in swimming pools and bears, you know, wandering around in people's gardens. I mean, that might look funny from our part of the world, but I bet it's not over there. 
No, I mean, just the other day, uh, we live in, you know, we certainly don't live in a a very urban environment, but we don't live way out in the country either. We just live in a regular town. And I heard I have a dachshund, about a 12 pound dachshund, and he was barking on the the back deck, the back porch. And I went out there to see what the heck he was barking about. And there was a fox, a fox uh, in the next yard, just sort of sunning himself. At first, I I didn't know what it was. I was like, whose dog is that? They should be on a leash. And then I was like, oh boy, we're going inside. Yeah. Well, foxes here, they're not protected. And uh, around my neck of the woods, they they bait them, uh, which is, you know, to me, not ideal. Mind you, there's probably not a better way, but them, the foxes, uh, yeah, they're a scourge because they go after your chickens and we've got them. So we've got to lock them up and they're a wily thing, the fox, aren't they? Wily little devils. <laughs> they they sure are, and I had not seen one that up close. And and while it was an interesting experience, I'm not in a huge rush to see one again <laughs> that close or closer. I'm kind of cool with that. Indeed, Celeste, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for your time. Always a pleasure. That's Celeste Katz Marston from the east coast of the USA.